Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Live from Estopin All In. It's the Bamos Morados Podcast. Powered by the state of Louisville. Welcome to the Vamos Morados Podcast, uh, brought to you by the State of Louisville Podcast Network. I am your host, Zach, and Benton is on vacation this week, so we are joined by guest host Becky Morgan, from uh, a contributing writer for the Beautiful Game Network. How's it going, Becky? Great. How's it going? Thanks for having Pretty me. Good. Ah, yeah, thanks for coming. Uh, I don't have Bitten to keep me in check, so things might get a little loose this week. You might have to keep me on task. Uh, I figured we'd start out before we, not that I want to avoid talking about the games because they make me sad or anything, but thought maybe we could uh, kick things off and just introduce people to you. So you think you want to let people know maybe how you got uh, involved with the Beautiful Game Network and sort of your history with soccer and racing Louisville? Sure. So I have pretty much exclusively been a women's soccer fan for much of my life. The 1999 World Cup game, the actually, I think it's 22nd anniversary was just yesterday, was absolutely life-changing to me as a teenager. You know, seeing this just massive attention to, you know, women playing a sport and then succeeding and getting international attention just kind of changed everything. So from that point, I've been following the women's national team probably a little after they won the 2015-2016 World Cup or 2015 World Cup, I started paying a lot more attention to the NWSL, which started in 2013. I paid a little attention to the previous leagues that, you know, lasted two or three years and then collapsed, but really the NWSL is when I started really focusing in on it as a domestic league as opposed yeah. to in just international games that other league was kind of hard to follow i think i think at one point there were only four teams if i remember correct and there like, were it was not broadcast consistently yeah. and i i mean the internet wasn't as me didn't make things as readily available i mean it became easy to be involved in the nwsl because even if i didn't watch live broadcasts i could watch you know youtube postings after the fact yeah so, yeah, and then, you know, racing was announced and, you know, we heard there were going to be, you know, a few cities in contention and people were saying, okay, LA, Atlanta, and then Louisville was thrown in there. And I was like, yeah, that's, it, it's not actually going to be Louisville. And then ended up being Louisville. And I, I have been obsessed ever since. So, yeah, that's, I've been a racing fan from the start. And then Ben actually is who got me into writing for the beautiful game network. I was just following the team and he said he was hoping to find someone who'd be willing to write recaps and previews. And I've tentatively volunteered. And so for the last month I've been doing it and absolutely loved it. So yeah, you've been, you've been doing a great job over there. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. And that's, I, I sort of have a, a similar, um, uh the 1999 world cup is also like my first soccer memory i think the 
the specifically like the finals game and the penalty kicks it, it's the first time i can remember watching a soccer game live on tv oh interesting yeah and because i was i was in little league soccer at the time um and and that that really got me interested in in soccer in general and the like the women's national team specifically um so i think i think for a lot of people around our age that was like a big event absolutely i i mean i it was such a seismic shift in soccer culture in the u.s and in women's sports in general, like the WNBA is older and it's a very successful league and more successful than the NWSL because it's been around longer. But for soccer in the US, so many people point to that specific game as, and the attention that it got afterwards, you know, months and months afterwards, you know, Mia Hamm and like Brandy Chastain became like legitimate superstars. Like that was a, that was a huge deal. Yeah. Uh, and I think... I don't know if something has passed it yet, but I, I believe that final it, for a long time, if not still now, it was the largest attended, the, the most attended soccer game in the United States. I uh, think it still is. I think it still is. Yeah. I think it still is. I know. Oh yeah. I think it still is the right after the, this most recent world cup, I know they, beat the women's national team beat an attendance record but i think it was a lower record like yeah. a friend like in a friendly match or something like that. they were yeah. that was in los angeles at the call the, the rose bowl at the rose bowl and then and, i thought they beat it again in philly but i could be wrong oh, I, 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 the, I don't remember attendance isn't something that i pay that much attention yeah attention I, to i just wanted to note that 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 is still probably the biggest event in american soccer yep to this day um and that's that's one thing I know when when it was announced. Yeah, I guess I sort of come into it. So that that got me into soccer. And then, you know, I sort of I followed the national teams like I I I followed MLS and the, the women's leagues a little bit. But I, I have trouble getting really into sports as a fan when I don't have a connection to a team. It's uh-huh. like I've, I've never been able to really latch on like I. I keep up with European soccer, but it's, it feels very random to just pick a team and be like, that's my team. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, it wasn't really until Louisville city came here that I think I got a lot more, more into soccer rather than just sort of keeping casual tabs on the, uh, the national teams. And so I was really excited when, um, when racing was announced because I, I, I thought I I had been saying for several years that it would be great if we could get an NWSL team and if they could keep the partnership with Louisville City like as close as possible. Cause I think um I think it's a really mutually beneficial relationship to both teams. Cause I think definitely the the facilities and the growth that Louisville City had are the reason we were able to get racing here. Absolutely. And and I do think that on the other end of that, I mean the reason I, I hoped that they kept really kept the vibe up of it being one big team rather than two separate teams is that I think you do have a lot of, a lot of people who are specifically women's soccer fans. Um, and I do think that Louisville city also benefits from, from bringing in some new fans from that perspective that might not have paid any attention to them before. I, I agree. I think the the crossover between loose city and racing 
and I mean, a lot of it is by design from how well the club has planned it and done it. I mean, I feel soccer holding a lot of credit. They've both given each other a degree of crossover more successfully than probably any other partnership teams in um, at least partnerships with the NWSL. Because, you know, in cases where it's an ML, uh, um, a, a, a USL team that maybe isn't doing that well, or, you know, they just bring in an NWSL team as kind of a side project, they think will be interesting, but they don't really care about a partnership between the teams. Like, it really feels like there's a division. Like, I don't feel like there's that much of a connection between North Carolina Courage and their, what is it, USL2 team? Yeah, I, I think... I think definitely the just just with success on the field the courage really (laughs) outshone that relationship I think yeah (laughs) they do a lot of they did a lot of good things there with like the branding between the teams but it just the the success of the USL team was never able to match the success of the uh NWSL team in that situation but the, the culture has been built so deliberately here and I think you know to a degree that I wasn't here when I mean I literally wasn't here when they were doing it in Lucidity. I was still living in Virginia at the time but um you know I know that they were talking about bringing an NWSL team in years ago they just were waiting until the time was actually right yeah there's and been so rumors there was, about it for a long time so there was there was a lot of thought process put into it where so many teams are just like oh, the NWSL is hot. Oh, the women are popular because they just won a World Cup. Let's quickly get a team in here and then not do, you know, the strategic planning, not making sure that they have the appropriate facilities, not making sure that they have, you know, they're working towards equal facilities. So the deliberateness the soccer holdings has put into intentionally building this parking, uh, this partnership and, and making the teams, as you say, one team, I think has has really helped racing be successful off the bat and i do think it does bolster lucidity to an extent too yeah i I think it it opens them up to a new group of people so which is good absolutely yeah um so i guess we'll start off uh the we've we've been doing the games in the order they happened so um we had racing versus orlando was first this week so i think we can kick things off with that sure i guess starting out uh with lineups um racing had their i think what has become their their usual 4231 it seems like they've they've brought that formation out for for the last couple of games um no huge changes in personnel um salmon got another start up top which was nice um bonner we got to see her in the back line again which i'm happy about i i really hope that she can become in every game starter i think there it it was fitness was mentioned i think she's just getting used to the humidity here but i if we can start to see her in every game started that'll be a a big deal i think yeah she had a small injury and holly said it was really nothing to worry about but um as long as she's healthy she she should definitely be starting yeah Um, is another game without hendrix in the lineup which kind of confused me but i think coach Halley really likes the way Neely Martin has been playing. So I, I've not heard of any other reason for that other than that. She's just winning, winning the job. I, I agree. And I also think that she is partnering well with both um, 
Datis and Bonner, not to say Hendrix isn't, but I just think that there must be something about her style of play that is complementing both of them. Datis has especially called her out as someone that she's really seen develop on the field and become you know, very mature quickly. So I do think there's a good relationship there. I mean, again, absolutely nothing against Hendrix. Hendrix also was a bit injured. So I think yeah. she has to work her way back into you know, the top of the rotation again, but, um, but yeah, I think that this is just for whatever reason, this is the four that's clicking and that's why, why Holly's been sticking with it. Yeah. I, I do think, um, yeah, Martin, Martin has been clicking well with everyone. I think Hendrix athletically gives them, um, a different look because I, I think she does match up with some of the more physical forwards in the league. I agree. A little better, but I think having Bonner there, who also has that as a strength, um, helps out. I think Martin and Bonner are a good pair together for that reason. I agree with that, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then on the Orlando side, I think they're missing at least two, maybe three starters for, for the Olympics. They're um, missing three. They're missing Alex Morgan, Aaron McLeod, and Marta. Yeah. Um, and Oh, not starters. Aaron McLeod is a backup goalie. So they're missing two starters. Yeah. And Allie Riley was surprisingly there because everybody thought she would be gone to the New Zealand team, but she ended up still. Yeah, they mentioned on the broadcast that I guess New Zealand started their camp later. So this was her last game, they thought. Um, Yes, she is now now in Japan. um, So, and they are, I think missing Marta specifically is a big deal for them that um, I think they run a lot of their offense moving forward through Marta so mm-hmm. um they do they do still have or you know you mentioned they still had Riley um Ali Krieger is still still back there on the back line and they still have Sydney LaRue up top um so not completely decimated by the Olympic squad but definitely a different look for them than they've had for this first part of the season agreed they their rookies have been doing extremely well though Courtney Peterson and, and Taylor Korniak have really been standouts and I think have really helped kind of stabilize the team so I, I you said this in the last podcast and I agree I do think that the pride have this season been punching above their weight uh that they are they've been able to stay in the number two the number one or number two spot but I don't necessarily think they're a number one or number two team fully but they've, I mean, they've just been lucky and good and yeah. been clicking like they haven't before. So they're still a tough team, even with these deficits. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and Korniak, in the two games, I have not had a chance to watch a lot of Orlando outside of the Challenge Cup game um, and this one, but she is, she has stood out to me in both games um, as playing very well. And she is a, a tough mashup issue for, for, for racing in both, both times I've seen him. And play. we, she's so tall and we have no height. I think that is actually one of our biggest problems, especially yeah. with like aerials and crosses. You know, she we is exceptionally with tall. Someone against Korniak who's like six foot, six foot one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess getting into the game. Um, so we scored early on, which was nice. It was another, I think, really great individual play from from Salmon. She she has been an extremely great addition. It, she she has the ability to really 
make her create her own chances and absolutely this one wasn't all her I, I wanted to note that the the pass from Kaiser was really was weighted really really great it caught her in stride which allowed her to to make the strong move she made um but I mean just to make um to make Allie Krieger look silly like that is <laughs> extremely impressive oh absolutely it was it was a beautiful goal I also believe it was the the earliest We've scored all yeah, 20, season. 21st minute, 21st minute. And it was, I loved it also because you say, I mean, I, I don't want to take anything away from Salmon or even Kaiser, but it was a great counter in a way that we have not been able to do all season. You know, it started with Betas, went to Simon or maybe went to Bonner then went to Simon, went to Kaiser, went to Salmon 15 seconds. And it's a goal like that quick, build up and you know just execution is something that we've been kind of sloppy with so i i do i that looked wonderful to me my eyes in in every possible way so yeah the passing this season has been really the thing i've been harping on that that needs to improve and that it's great to see sequences like that put together i think overall the passing was better this game than it than it had been it was this year that yeah um the they they won they won the possession battle which has only happened a couple times this season uh, which is nice to see yeah yeah um yeah it's kind of i guess we mentioned both the teams it's kind of whiplash going back and forth between watching louisville city and racing because it's kind of the opposite louisville city (laughs) when i was looking up they they are in the uh, American soccer analysis is where I get all of these advanced stats, but they're, okay. they're, they're expected pass, like pass differential, how many passes you completed above what was expected. Essentially it's Louisville leads, leads the league or Louisville city leads the league in that and racing Louisville is last in the league in that. So it's a big, yep. big whiplash going between the two, but this game, I think they made a big dent in that they, they passed well. I think it was 70, they were above 75% completed passing which is is higher than they've been typically so it it was definitely if we're looking for improvements a a big improvement there and and I I do think that is something that will come in time and we do have players that play in slightly different styles and they're just not reading each other's movements well enough and that has been consistently improving I was really worried after the last the last game the Portland game because we just looked a mess like yeah. we just were not connecting and it seemed like a regression but I mean I think that we can pretty comfortably say that is not the norm they were able to come back and really pull it together that was something was just really off energy wise that game but I, I do think that we are going to see steady improvement in in passing ac- accuracy completed passes yeah. as they just learn each other's movements more and, and it's not um, it's not all bad because I, I was digging into like individual players. So Freya has had a very good year passing, um, um, and also uh, uh, Emily Fox ha- has has done well. I, I feel like in possession, mm-hmm. um, and I th- I think I I harp on this every week, but it's if we could clone Freya, that would be awesome, but. <laughs> If we, we just I feel like we need one more player who plays her style yeah for her to team up with that to really to really push them to that next level with the passing 
she's the only actual midfielder. I mean, yeah. everybody else is just forwards and defenders. It feels like. You know, yeah, I, I, yeah. It's. Doing, a, I always joke everything. about the lineups that they they list them as a like a four two, three one, but it's actually like a, a four four one five or whatever. Exactly. Uh, you know, Taylor Otto, I, I think, will be able to help with that. Uh, he seems to want Otto right now to be a backup for Olafson, and Otto was also injured for a while. And is yeah, we, we just down. haven't, I, I haven't seen a lot of her to be able to know. Yeah, but. but she was a standout at UNC and just uh, the absolute, like, centering force for them in the midfield. And I think she played 90 minutes of every single game in like her last two seasons. Like I think she was just absolutely a stalwart for them. So I do think Otto might eventually be able to come into that, that role and maybe in, in some games could pair them up and have a little more of a steady midfield, but yeah. um, we just have not seen anything like that yet. So yeah, I, really I think don't know what his plan is. If, if Otto can slide back there, in sort of the position McCaskill has been playing and allow McCaskill to be the, the front part of the midfield three uh-huh. that I think that that's probably where everyone's in their more, their more natural position. I, mean, I also think that Holly and one reason that he, you know, did target Emily Fox is because he does eventually probably want to go to a, a three back with, either Fox and Ashley or Fox and Simon serving as you know more midfielders as wingbacks but I just don't think the team is ready for that yet despite the fact that Emily Fox is playing all over the field kind of wherever she wants yeah. she's not really just being held back as a defender but I think that that's going to be a little more intentional in the in the actual lineups and formations in the future but I don't think we're ready for that yet yeah um I guess as far as the after that goal, I, I feel like, you know, we, we had more possession than, than we have had. We were passing. Well, I, I don't feel like we did a great job of converting that into like good chances after that, that first salmon goal. Um, I, I don't feel like we had as many good shots as maybe we would have liked to have had with all of that possession. No, I, I definitely agree. Our, over the course of the nine games, the our ability to, after a horrific start, to cut down on opponents' shots taken and shots on goal, you know, there's been a steady decline in those, and we've made a lot of progress. But our own shots taken and shots on goal have has barely shifted. I think we average 4.5 shots on goal every game versus our opponents that have, you know, like nine or ten on us. So we really need to create and take more chances. And again, like we, if this is a problem more early on in the season, we're getting a little better with it, but we have so many times that players will get up into the box or into the final third and then just like pass it to each other instead of someone just taking the damn shot. And, you know, there, Emily Fox will like charge forward and then I just want her to just unleash one to just pull the trigger because yeah. you know, she, she can do that instead of, you know, passing it to McCaskill who then passes it to Kaiser. And then that gives the defenders a little more time to get into formation. You know, I, we just, we need to take more shots. We really, really need to work on our attack. still. Yeah, I, I completely agree. It's um, I've got like a, a chart I put together for, expected goals for and expected goals against by game and you can see in like 
the last five games, they've made a ton of progress in bringing down the expected goals against uh-huh. number and just sort of a moderate amount of product progress in bringing the expected goals for up. As of five, four or five games ago, they were only averaging 0.73. Um, it's the five game rolling average. So for the previous five games, five games ago, it was 0.73 expected goals for and 2.75 expected goals against. Oh, wow. And as of the last game, that five game average is now to 0.934. So like a little bit of progress there, but it's down to 1.84 against. So they've, they've cut almost an entire goal off of that expected goals against. So that's, that's the direction you want to see things moving, but it, it seems like the, the, the offense has not gotten better as, as quickly as the defense has. No. And I mean, it, it got better almost as soon as we got salmon and we're still waiting for Nadim. So yeah. I, I think that the roster, the, Holly had originally planned for, you know, still isn't here. And it's taken a lot longer than I think they expected it to, you know, with all the, the, the COVID visa holdups and everything. Yeah. So I do think that our attacking will improve once Nadine gets here and settles in, and then we'll have, you know, two better points of attack, but we just, we missed so many chances. Like Kaiser had maybe three good chances against Orlando and just runs weren't timed right, or, you know, crosses were off, and, you know, it's that final finishing touch that we just can't quite seem to, to get right yet. It's getting a little better, but it's still, you know, and hopefully that comes with time, and, you know, again, getting to read each other is better, but yeah, that is the one true criticism that I, I have for the team at this point in their, their short history. And uh, I guess on the flip side of that, defensively, I think it was a pretty solid game. They, they, they did a fairly good job, I thought, of limiting Orlando's chances. I think uh, they, only, they only had 1.15 expected goals, uh, Orlando, in that game, which is below their average and below the league average. So a, a solid night. And it just unfortunately, they they couldn't hold on for another uh, couple of minutes. No. And I mean, there. it was such a naive mistake. And at the end, you could just tell the Orlando wanted it more. Yeah. And I think that's something that racing's really going to kick themselves over. Like, I think they were just a little too certain that they had it where Orlando was like, gonna draw blood to get that goal yeah. you know that's were... that's a position they've not been in much that's sort of a, a new situation for them is having the lead and trying to protect it close I, at the end and i think that they did really well i mean compare this to the last game against orlando which i mean admittedly was our first game we gave up a goal at the the end of the first half yeah you know we briefly held the lead against north carolina in the challenge cup and then gave that up you know, also by just, I think, getting a little shaken and a little overwhelmed and not being able to manage it quite well. So, I mean, I, I know a lot of people were like really upset after this game. I thought it was a fantastic game. I think it showed growth in like absolutely every area, mostly that we need to grow in. And I mean, that's a, a heck of a learning experience to, to get a draw and lose those two points. I mean, I think that might be 
better for them psyche wise and mentality wise at this point in the season than if they had gotten the win honestly yeah and I think it's one of those situations where if you reverse the order the the goals come in that feels like a huge you know uh feels like a, a game where they've made a lot of progress and it's just the way that Orlando scored and the timing in the game just yeah really you, you start dreaming about the three points and then yeah. one points <laughs> one point feels like like a loss whereas I I think before the game if you had told me they're gonna have a one one draw away at Orlando I would have been happy with that and I think for the most part I I had to change my notes up at the very end of the night because uh, I, I was going to mention that you know I, I thought they did a very good job keeping Sydney LaRue off of her normal game I think her up until that very last goal her her finishing had not been quite good um I think you know she didn't make the most of the chances they get and Louisville she had and and Louisville did a pretty good job of limiting her chances but that that one goal sort of turns around that whole narrative yeah I I agree Uh, but I mean I, I absolutely agree. And it did flip the narrative and it did hurt. And then, I mean, Orlando, of course, was, you know, celebrating their heads off. But Gemma Bonner had the best quote after the game. I mean, she said, yeah, we should have won this. We need to learn from this. But she said, you know, if Orlando is celebrating that hard against, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but she basically said, you know, if it, it's a huge compliment to us if the number two team in the league is celebrating this hard about beating an expansion side. And that shows that we gave them, you know, a hell of a game and that we were really in it until the very last minute. So of course it hurts, but I think that really speaks to how truly competitive racing is as an expansion side that they really are a very strong team, despite the fact that we might, you know, we want them to win and get three points every week and it's frustrating when they don't, but I mean, they're, they're hard to, to be. Yeah. And, uh, that was all I had for the game. I think that's a pretty good, unless, did you have anything else you wanted to, to no. mention? No, I think I see solid growth. I, I, if they can keep playing this way, whether they win, lose, or draw, I will be pretty pretty pleased for how well the team has developed over the next few games. So. Yeah, and I think that's a good lead-in for, uh, typically here we would do like a game preview for the next game, but racing has some time off their next game is not until the 25th i think yes that's the 25th against the washington spirit yeah so uh, so i figured maybe this would be a good opportunity instead of a game preview to just do maybe a a a scorecard leading into the break of you know how how will how racing has done you know up till now versus our expectations and sort of what what we're expecting from them after this break for the rest of the season, you know, what, what would we consider, you know, uh, above expectations and what would we consider below expectations? So people have said this in a, in a few places. Um, Dan Laletta is actually, uh, who's a, a, a journalist for the, um, the equalizer is the first person I saw pointed out, but racing had a very heavy front loaded schedule where we played the Portland Thorns twice and the North Carolina Courage twice you know in a very short period of time four out of our nine games have been against those two teams that are basically the juggernauts of the league and 
we are undefeated against everybody but those two teams. So that's really, really good. And we only, we're not playing the Thorns at all again in the regular season. The only time we'll play them again is if we get into the postseason and we're only playing the Courage once. So that's a pretty good perspective for us going into the rest of the teams. I'm not saying we're going to continue to you know either tie or win against every other team in the league, but we already are playing at the level that it looks like we have very good chances against all our future opponents. And in terms of where we are compared to past expansion sides, um, currently we have a 3-4-2 record. The Houston Dash, when they launched at this point, had a 1-7-1 record. And the Orlando Pride had a 4-5-0 record. And while the 4-5-0 is a little better than us because they, you know, they didn't draw, but then they had one more law than us, loss than us, but they did have one more win, they only went on to win two more matches for the rest of their season. And ended. I was going to say, I, I seem to remember that they, they started very hot in their expansion year and then really had a trouble at the last yep. half of the season. They had a, a 6-13-1 record at the end of the season and ended in ninth place, which was the last place. I, I believe they ended in ninth place. Maybe they ended in eighth and the breakers were worse. I can't remember. But we've already one three and we're getting stronger in that time we've added bonner and salmon and we're still adding nadim our chances look better coming up if we win three more games we will be the winningest expansion team in league history now that's not counting the teams that moved like the yeah, that, that's a little bit teams. different that's different because they were already established teams so as as far as completely new teams completely new expansion teams I mean, we have a very good shot at being one getting into the playoffs we're only one spot below it with 15 games less left to play and to uh have the winningest record for an expansion team in their inaugural season that's pretty darn good for a team that could basically pick no starters in their expansion draft yeah and and a team that you know as of right now still has four players from the expansion draft that the, are, are neither are not on yep. the squad and have not been traded for rights to anyone else so they exactly they still have lots of pieces to to add moving forward either through trades or signing um i don't know if that'll necessarily be this season but definitely i think those four player rights will play a big part into season two. Oh, absolutely With, without a doubt they're gonna um they're going to play, I, I'm, I'm assuming, I mean, I, anything could happen, we don't know, but I think they're going to play, two of them that don't need to be named in particular will probably play a very big role in us in possibly avoiding the expansion draft come, um, come the, uh, the end of this year or the off season. Yeah. So. And I, as from my standpoint, I, they have definitely, I, I think, outperformed, they, they have been punching above their weight. So it's hard to um, to complain at all about the start to this season. I think I had said going into the season that my my expectation for a successful year this in year one would be to finish ahead of Kansas City. It's like my only goal, and <laughs> and right now they've they're well they've well surpassed that. Um, Absolutely, and I don't think there's 
again, anything could happen. There's a whole lot of season left, but some things would have to go seriously wrong for that to change. We would have to have major injuries and then like Kansas city would have to like, just absolutely come alive. Yeah. Um, uh, Yeah. I think that we are way more in contention for a playoff spot than, um, than I think anybody reasonably anticipated in the beginning of the season. I mean, you say we're punching above our weight and I, I agree with that to a certain extent, except I think that implies that we're doing better than we should. I think we're doing as well as we should. We were just a very smartly put together team in a way that I don't think anybody realized until we were actually put together. I think Holly and JOC just did an exceptional job at finding players that fit their system and play well together. Yeah, I guess I was speaking mostly of that. They've had a they've had several games that they've won where I, I would say the, the team, the other team outplayed them had, had a lot more goal scoring opportunities than they did. And they, they just made the most of theirs. Um, I oh, guess it's it's, that's sort game. of my concept of punching. Level. I, I don't want to say it's lucky performances, but it's maybe it was not an expected outcome. No, that's the, true. I mean, the Washington game was definitely that they had like, 24 or 29 shots you know that which is insanely yeah, you, ridiculously you don't high. i think i think i had seen uh there's i don't think i've given her a shout out on here but i think it's ariel oh i'm gonna pronounce Dror. her last name wrong drawer i think Dror, yeah she posts really great um um uh data visualizations after mm-hmm. all the games and on that one i <laughs> on the washington game i believe given the shots that were taken and where they were taking from Louisville was like a 5% chance to win that Washington game. <laughs> um, so yeah, that, I think they, they have, <laughs> that is sort of my metric for punching above your weight. No, that's, that's a very good point. That, that is a very good point. Yeah. Uh, when you actually look at the games that we managed to win and then really in Chicago and then this most recent game are the two where I felt like, okay, we were actually, yeah evenly matched enough or dominant enough that we just we we were probably expected to win those or at least have a much better chance than five percent yeah definitely the the chicago game they they were expected to win that game that's actually the only going off of the american soccer analysis you know expected goals the kansas city game and the chicago game so far are the only two games where they've actually led in expected goals um so uh yeah, I think I think definitely uh, they have they have come in above my expectations. I guess moving forward, um, you know, I, with the Olympics, a lot of the rest of the league are missing a lot of important players. So I think if if we if we're going to you know grab one of those playoff pot- positions potentially, I think this is the part of the schedule where they really need to make uh, a run at that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think still at this point, I would n- not consider it a failure if they do not make the playoffs. But I, I do think if it's going to happen, th- this is the stretch of games where it will happen. I mean, I agree. We still have so many games left, though. And I mean, the Olympics are only going to be the next three or four. So we'll have like 10 after that i mean it depends on how quickly i don't know exactly how quickly team players will return to their teams or yeah i think a buffer period and then if they win they'll have like 
special like yay we won victory tour games that will also take at least u.s national team players away so it's, it's hard to tell exactly what's going to pan out there it's but, been I mean, one of my consistent maybe complaints about the way the the league is structured that that they don't always seem to be on the best they don't always seem to be on the same page with the national team as far as schedule and so it's no. very hard to know what players will be available then they're, if they're going to do a a tour after the the olympics and yeah i mean at least that doesn't affect us that much now i mean it's un- doubtless that probably starting even at the end of this year if not you know definitely by the early next year fox is going to be gone from now on and she's definitely the future national team player on the team so we're going to have to start dealing with that but at least we have a little period where we don't have to worry about that yeah I mean, it, it, and i, I do I, think I thought... salmon for um that's a good for point England, salmon I, for gb too yeah, yeah I, I i um i had already seen i think I already seen some of the British press complaining that she was left off the roster for the Olympics. Um, And I think definitely with the way she's been playing, you could expect that she's going to get some call-ups there very soon. Absolutely. And Nadia Nadim might be called in for Denmark, which might not play as often as, you know, the U S plays so many games and so many friendlies, that it's really the U S team, the U S national team members that, that affect the league the most. And it's really, it's being, it's being on the summer schedule, whereas the rest of the leagues in the world are on the, the fall spring one that yep. really hurts them. Cause that's most of the international friendlies and the competitions are all in the summer, right in the middle of when the league plays. Yep. So that definitely does impact us. I don't know. I'm, I thought that, Oh yeah, this is definitely going to be a time for us to really focus in and, and get some points, but I don't know. We beat or we lost to the spirit during the challenge cup when they were missing their national team members, at least their U S national team members. And then we beat them when they had all their um, national team members, you know, during the regular season. So it's really a, kind of a crapshoot what's going to happen with the spirit. Um, you know, in two weeks, they, uh, they'll be missing Kelly O'Hara, um, Emily Sonnet and I believe one Japanese national team player but I cannot remember if it's one or two but yeah. I mean they just beat the the courage 2-0 last night so who who knows which yeah, that was a surprising result um yeah Washington will still I guess is getting into game preview we'll probably do more next week they'll still have Trinity Rodman who my read on both of those games was the player that gave Louisville the most trouble. Yep. Um, so that, that will be a, a good matchup. Um, well, I think, I think that that's pretty good on racing. Did you have anything else you wanted to add? Nope. I think, uh, I think that's pretty thorough. So. Yeah. Um, so I guess we won't spend, it was a depressing, <laughs> it was not a fun week for Louisville city this week. So uh, we might not spend as much time on Louisville city, but getting into their game, um, I guess lineup wise, uh, this is another case the USL, the lineups always get are really weird on the game broadcasts and don't always match the way the teams actually lined up. I, I think for the second week in a row, they had them listed as like a three, five, two. Um, but once the players actually lined up and started the game, it, it looked to me like they were, still in their usual 4-3-3, just maybe sort of leaning towards Gomez's side of the field. He, he played further forward than 
than Sharpie did uh, on the other side. But it, to my eyes, it still looked like mostly a 4-3-3. They did, uh, I guess, something unique this game. It, they it, they seemed to change formations a couple times in the game after some substitutions because they, they actually did, I, I saw in the second half, switch to a three-person, uh, three-man back line with Swahi, Tosh, and, and Sharpie uh, for a little bit. And then towards the end, when they were really trying to get that last goal, it was basically just <laughs> just a one-man back line with Tosh. Um, were you but, surprised that Gomez played? Because I, I thought he was in France. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't know. it. So, so I guess some internet drama midweek. Uh, yeah, I get, Gomez posted an Instagram story from Charles de Gaulle Airport <laughs> and like... <laughs> Wednesday I think Wednesday or Thursday um so either um maybe something got posted at the wrong time that wasn't supposed to get posted or or he flew to France for the midweek and then flew back but yeah I I was a little surprised to see him after that um yeah it's I mean it, it is it is not a secret that he is doing a lot of interviews with a lot of European teams for whenever he turns 18 and is eligible to play uh-huh. um, over in Europe. Um, but, but yeah, it's, I, you know, from, I was not surprised to see him normally, but I was surprised to see that he apparently made it to France and back in a week. <laughs> I know. So maybe he was leaving when he posted it. I don't know, but <laughs> still, I was, I was surprised to see that he actually made the lineup. So. Yeah. Um, well, and with, so, um, with Oscar still, still injured, they're, they're pretty thin back there. So I, it's one of the cases where if, if he is out, I, Watt, Watts can fill in there, but it, it is really a big, um, big loss over there on the left whenever he's out until Oscar's healthy again. So I was glad to see him. Um, yeah, it's. So the game did not get off to the best start. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, so I, I, we had commented last week that Louisville's been on just an amazing string of scoring inside the first 10 minutes for the, for, for the last several games. And I, I think that finally, they finally came back and, and got that from the other end. So this is a, they gave up a, a six minute goal or goal in the sixth minute sort of um yeah got what they had been given out to other teams and off a free kick right yeah off free it was a really I, I wanted to know it, it was DaCosta had just a great game all around for Tulsa and that it was a very well taken free kick and also uh, I think Marlon had the goal is one of those where it was just a slight deflection is enough to throw Hubbard off and that that is not easy to do to take a, a free kick that is already on goal and just deflect it a tight, tiny amount. So I props to Tulsa on it, just a very well executed free kick there. Um, I guess overall it was not a great night um, for Hubbard. I did not think, I, I think on, on, on two of the three Tulsa goals, at least, I think his positioning could have been a little bit better. I think he was really, on on that free kick, he was really favoring the um, the near posts, and 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 that goal was able to get deflected in on the the far posts. Um, mm-hmm. But you know it it 
it was not not an easy save by any means and then just a well well taken free kick from Tulsa um and then yeah after that is when it started to rain it poured um they they, they Tulsa scored again in the 16th minute on I guess the my my big takeaway from from the night overall was that I thought that Louisville's transition defense was very poor for the the whole game and the that second goal I think was a really the second and third goals were both due to that I think uh that's sort of with the way Louisville City plays and the style of soccer they play it, the, it has been for the last couple of years where we, it seems like we are we are due for at least one game like this a season where you know all of the possession they have and all the passing they have really breaks down into like a lot of really quick transition goals for another team that mm-hmm. that causes Louisville to press further forward that leaves fewer people back that gets you know more transition goals there there was a game a couple of years ago against um um oh uh Toronto FC two that that was similar to this where it I, I think the the flip side of the coin of the the style they play is you know they keep a high back line they have a lot of possession and when they play well it's really dominating but if a team can get them on the counter it can open the game up for the other team very quickly which I think was what we saw tonight or saw last night do you so do you just feel that this was just an off game where they just weren't so as well or do you think that Tulsa was just really lucky or a combination of both I think Tulsa I mean part of it is Tulsa's game plan plays into Louisville's biggest weakness really well because Tulsa wants to get out on the counter and you know they they don't get a lot of chances but they score a really high percentage of the chances they make because they they get a lot of their goals in transition and break defenses down um which historically Louisville has always struggled against just with the style they play but I do think I think looking bigger picture it's now been several games in a row where that same same thing has been the problem where I I think once or twice I would chalk that up to just you know sometimes that happens um but I I do think it has been a big enough problem for enough games in a row that I think it does merit some sort of tactical shift from Louisville moving forward. Um, I think it's something I had mentioned online was that uh, Pat McMahon didn't play in this game. And historically they have done a lot better against the counter when he is on the field. I think he's very solid defensively in the counter. Um, And I think um probably having having a midfielder maybe hang back a little bit more in a defensive midfield role um i think could help with those with that too i know speedy i think last year did that really well for them and he is not on the team anymore so i think gibson or somebody else is i think going to have to step up and really be there to to help out on the counterattacks because it's it's been consistently the counterattacks have been their problem for four games in a row now so do you think that teams just know, know what to expect and know how to exploit them so they need to change tactically or do you think the players are you know some of them are getting older and maybe not to able to play as quickly as they 
they used to, so they're getting exploited a little more. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, everyone is getting a little older, although, I mean, defensively, we've got, you know, Sharpie and Alexi, and at, defensively, we're a little younger than we are on offense. Um, okay. So, I don't, I don't know if age is the problem, but I do think tactically, I think, well, I think it's two parts. I think tactically they've, they've just been letting themselves get really far forward because they've had so much possession. It just sort of, you suck the center backs forward little by little. Um, yeah. And then, uh, so it's just, that's something just tactically to keep them, uh, keep an eye on. And then I think just from an individual play standpoint, they've just, I think maybe it's just focused in practice or something that they have not handled the counters that they face particularly well either. I mean, players have been a little bit out of position. Um, I, I think they, they can do better and I, I expect they will do better, but it, it's definitely, I know Danny is going to focus on that and I guess it's not as big of a problem, but I will note that they've given up quite a lot of set piece goals in the past few games as well. And I, I know Coach Cruz specifically, he has a big focus on set pieces. Um, so I, I think they'll probably want to get better there as well. I, it's not, um, I think overall, they're still playing quite, quite well. They, they have thankfully been scoring enough to make up for their defensive woes uh-huh. um, for the most part the last couple games. Um, but I do think the offense is playing really great. I, I think maybe a little bit more focus on defense moving forward for them. Um, yeah, I guess to get into the positives, um, after Tulsa scored the three goals, it was sort of, it was the, the exact opposite of the first game against Tulsa where Louisville scored three out of the gate. And then Tulsa came back and scored two and made it a very close game. Um, Louisville did respond well. I think that Ombi, Ombi has continued to play very great. It's, this is the first time I remember where we've seen a long stretch of playoff caliber Ombi in the regular season. Um, he had the assist to, to Greg on the, that first goal and uh-huh. Kyle, Kyle Greg, I think has also been playing really well. He, he has done a good job of making himself a target in the middle and, and being in the right place to be on the end of the passes. He's new to the team this year, correct? Yeah. Yeah. He was a mid season, um, addition. He, he played That's for right. St. Louis previously and they, they are no more this year. So he was in search of a team this year. Um, and then also the, um, it was good to see, uh, Lancaster was out injured last season and he, he subbed in, um, right, uh, in the 46th minute he subbed in at the half. So it was great, great to see that he was healthy again and he had an amazing goal. I don't know. Did you catch the replay for that one? I did. I was going to say, he looked to me, I knew he had been you know iffy in terms of of health but no that was amazing yeah he did not look like someone coming off of a concussion on that goal because he really (laughs) he really laid out for that one um yeah and uh uh i guess props i mentioned that sharpie had had been solid you know he 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 is more of a central defender i think typically but he's been because of injury troubles with oscar and and stuff he's been playing on the wing for them. And it was nice to see him get forward and get an assist on that, on that second goal. Um, I, I have been really happy with his play out on the wings um, so far this season. That's um, great that he's been able to transition. That's not always easy to do. No, 
yeah, it's good to have some versatility on the back line. Uh, that that helps for for whenever whenever you inevitably get injuries to people. Um, and then after that, that's that's why I mentioned that you, we saw the the formations change a lot in the second half because uh, they scored that goal in the 61st minute, and then from there till the end of the the game, it was like kitchen sink mode. They <laughs> I, I noted at some points that. Uh, they only really had um, Tosh as the only person back on defense. They were throwing <laughs> everybody forward, um, which I guess good. They, they did not give up any more transition goals, um, even though they were sending so many people forward. But uh, Tulsa really, I think, did a good job of packing it in on defense. And uh, Louisville had people forward, but it was very hard to get any looks just with the number of jerseys they had to go through. Um. So yeah, it's it's a disappointing night for Louisville. Um, I guess I'll note, like, from the expected goal standpoint, that's uh, and Tulsa outplayed them. It was one point six five for Tulsa to one point three nine for Louisville. I think they had the better chances. That 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 was just a bad game for Louisville. I, I don't think Tulsa got lucky or anything. Um, so you know, I I think that happens. I, I think. I think the defense needs a, a little tweaking. Um, but I think overall, I mean, Louisville's still in second place in the division with a game in hand. Um, and they're two points behind Birmingham. So they're still in very good playoff position. I think overall, they've still had quite a good season so far. But there, there is some things to work on moving forward. Well, I mean, they've had a, a season with some major upheaval yeah. with you know Cruz taking over after after Hackworth I know that uh, maybe that's not something people want to discuss but um well uh, and it is they, crazy it seems like they're doing a pretty great job you know holding the line and, and staying together despite having you know such a major change at top yeah I, I think they are definitely kind of the victims of their own success a lot of uh-huh. times because it it is just for the you know for the since 2015 when they started they have been on just an insane run of success they have uh they have made it to the conference finals of the playoffs every single game every single year they've been a team wow which is at six six years in a row now um and they've made it through at this point it's been two mid-season coaching upheavals that they they've continued to succeed after so i you know, I, I think from Louisville city's own standards, they said, you know, any game like this is a disappointment for them. You don't see this often, but it's also, you know, if you take a step back and look at the season, they are, they are still having quite a good season (laughs) and there are a lot more positives than the negatives to draw. Are they at the same point in their season? Roughly the racing is about a third of the way. So They have played 11 of 20, uh, 11 of 32. So yeah, right at about a third. Okay. Uh, just like racing. I, I think, I mean, I have the table up. Yeah. Racing, they have a 24 game season yeah. and they're nine in. So um, yeah. And, and I think, you know, that Louisville City fans are accustomed to just always being in first place, but <laughs> second place two points back with a game in hand is not a bad place to be. 
No, and I mean, it gives you something to work for. I, yeah. I know, I maybe I'm overly positive and people don't want to hear it, but I don't know. It, sometimes a little toughness and a little contention can be what you need to keep you on your toes and to like evolve tactically and, and you know, individually as players, you know, to, to really maintain that. So it might ultimately be a good thing to, you know, suffer a little trouble now versus yeah. at the end of the season and they still have two games against Tulsa left so I, I think we will still have plenty of opportunity to see if they can make those adjustments um mm-hmm. and um yeah it's with the with the weird schedule because of coming off COVID this year they play a lot of teams a lot of times uh-huh. so um yeah I guess I'm trying to think if I had anything else to to know I, that was about all I wanted to to spend on that one. Um, I guess looking forward, we had a we've got two games coming up um, this week, so that it's going to be a tough week. Not not only are they starting, you know, off on on a rough game, but they've got a Wednesday and a Sunday game. Or um, no, Wednesday and Saturday. There we go. Yeah, Wednesday, Saturday again this week. Uh, just game previews. They play a home game against Oklahoma City this week, and that's that's not a team I'm super familiar with. They've they've always played in the Western Conference, so I, as far as I recall, this might be Louisville's first time ever playing them. Oh, interesting. Um, because they they mixed up the divisions this year, um, so. So that, that'll be interesting. So far this season, they've been a very defensively minded team. Just looking at the results, I think they they don't score a lot, but they also don't give up a lot of goals. And so I, it might be a good chance for Louisville to maybe um, to to focus on the defense. And I, I would say if that's a one zero one, if that's a low scoring game, I'll be I'll be happy. Um, and and it's definitely, I think, gives them an opportunity to focus on some of the things they need to focus on. Do you feel uh, pretty confident they might come away with the three points or at least one point out of this match? Yeah, I feel pretty confident. The style Oklahoma City plays, they they should I I they should be expected to get at least one point out of this. And and it's definitely a game they they will be able they'll be able to get you know three points out of if they if they play to their normal standard. Okay. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I would, I would expect at least one, but probably three, which is it's high expectations. But yeah. Um, and then um, Saturday they've got uh, Atlanta United two coming back to town. That'll be the third time they play them this season. And first two, um, they won the first first matchup two and zero at home, and then lost. Oh, one away. So I, I think, um, and that was, I think we had mentioned the, um, we were talking about the racing season. We had mentioned the Washington game for racing. I, I think that that Atlanta United two game for Louisville was kind of the, the reverse of that where Atlanta had very, very few chances in that game. And, and Louisville had like 30 shots or something. And, so that was a very, it was very unusual to see that to be a one Oh loss just based on, uh, based on the shots and the goals. So I think, um, I think 
they should maybe be hungry to maybe prove a point against Atlanta. And that, that is, um, uh, that is a game where I think they're going to be expecting a win and probably after the last result against Atlanta, they, they'll probably want to make a, make a point and win big in that one. So two, two home games Wednesday, Saturday this week for them. That's good. That's nice. They don't have to travel, especially after just traveling from Tulsa. Yeah. Especially on short rest. It's nice to have them all be, be home when you're playing Absolutely. multiple games a week like that. Well, I think, um, that covers pretty much everything. Um, so I, I guess just to close things out, uh, just a reminder, I'm Zach. You can follow me on Twitter at Zach W. Allen. If you want to hear me um, make incorrect predictions about what's <laughs> going to happen in the upcoming games and complain about car culture and the lack how hard it is to ride my bike around here uh <laughs> becky you have anything you want to plug sure i'm i'm becky morgan on twitter i'm at suki s-u-k-i is a cat and i write for the beautiful game network i cover racing and a little bit of the nwsl but mainly racing and on twitter you will pretty much just hear me talking about racing so that's about it all right. Well, thanks for coming on. It was fun. Glad to have you. Um, great. I guess thank you so much will, for inviting uh, me. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for, for filling in on short notice for Benton. So no, hope everybody has a good week. We'll talk to you next week. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.